0: Welcome to the Emergency Management Network Podcast, Emergency Management's Trusted Voice, sponsored by Disaster Tech, the Natural Disaster and Emergency Management Expo, and Titan HST. As I sat down to write a piece for this week on the efforts of humanitarians in the world, and this is because I had a great interview with Shelterbox that will be published on June 7th on Prepare Respond Recovery. I could not shake the need to talk about disaster economics. And as the hurricane season is upon us, with an early season storm, Alex, heading to Florida, as I read these words, we need to look at some history to address the future. On February 1st, 1953, a fierce sustained storm created a massive surge in the North Sea off the coast of Holland. Flood waters overtop the dikes, swallowing half a million acres of land and killing nearly 2,000 people. Within weeks of the storm, the government of Holland created a plan, known as the Delta Plan, that is a set of recommendations for flood control measures. Over the next four decades, the Dutch invested billions of guilders in a vast collection of dams and barriers, accumulating in the construction of the Maeslant Barrier, an enormous, movable seawall to protect the port of Rotterdam. Since the Delta Plan, the Netherlands have never been flooded by the sea again. In the United States, policymakers are failing to look at how disasters and the recovery process is costing taxpayers more money, time, and effort than if we invested in prevention, infrastructure improvements, and meaningful mitigation efforts. Brock Long stated in an interview, quote, we're in a vicious cycle of communities being impacted by disasters and having to constantly rebuild. It's almost as if we're not learning anything from Mother Nature and history has taught us, unquote in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy, which brought havoc to the Northeast and inflicted tens of billions of dollars of damage. It's overwhelmingly clear that parts of the US need a Delta plan of their own. Sandy was not an isolated incident. Hurricane Irene caused nearly $16 billion of damage and Hurricane Michael has caused an estimated $25.1 billion. There's a growing consensus that extreme weather events are becoming more common and more damaging. The cost of natural disasters in the U.S. have doubled over the past two decades. So instead of just cleaning up after a disaster hits, the question is whether we can find the political will to invest in such ideas. Although politicians have called for significant new investments in disaster prevention, reports from Washington suggest that Congress will be more willing to spend more money on relief than on preparedness. And this is what history would lead you to expect. For the most part, the U.S. has shown marked bias towards relieving victims of disaster, while underinvesting in prevention. A study by the economist Andrew Healy showed that between 1985 and 2004, the government spent an annual, on average, 15 times as much on disaster relief than on preparedness. Politically speaking, it's always easy to shell out money after a disaster has already happened with clear, identifiable victims than to invest money in protecting against something that may or may not occur in the future. Healy found that voters reward politicians for spending money on post-disaster cleanup but not investing in disaster prevention. It's only natural that politicians respond to this incentive. The federal system complicates matters as well. Local governments want decision-making authority, but major disaster prevention projects are bound to require federal money. And much of the critical infrastructure in the U.S. is owned by private sector, not the government, making it harder to do something like bury power lines. And that's a story for another day. These are genuine hurdles, and safeguarding the great expanse of the Atlantic coast is much more expensive proposition than defending Holland's smaller one. There's a more fundamental problem here. The U.S. as a rule tends to underinvest in public infrastructure, and we've been skimping on the maintenance of roads and bridges and highways for decades. The American Society of Civil Engineers gives the nation infrastructure a grade of C minus. However, 11 of the 17 infrastructure categories evaluated are graded in the D range. In addition, they found that 70% of the nation's electrical transmission and distribution lines were well into the second half of their expected 50 year lifespans. In the United States, utility customers on the average experienced just over eight hours of power interruptions in 2020, more than double the amount in 2013, lasting four times as long as France and seven times as long as the Netherlands. It isn't because of lack of resources. In the U.S., we're the biggest and richest economy in the world. Although we may have had the coolest 21st century technology in our homes, we're stuck in the mid-20th century with roads and wires. Meaningful disaster prevention measures can be certainly expensive, yet inaction can even be more expensive. After Katrina, the government had to spend more than $100 billion on relief and reconstruction. There's a good reason to believe that disaster control measures can save money on the long run. The the ASCE estimates that federal spending on levies pays for itself. (coughs) The ASCE estimates that the federal government ASCE estimates that federal spending on levies pays for itself six times over. That is an investment in the infrastructure in saving taxpayers' money. The federal government is already on the hook for the damages caused when a disaster strikes. So let's be prudent stewards of taxpayers' money. We need to address how much these disasters, we need to address how much these disasters cost and put money into prevention and preparedness programs. Thank you for spending time with the Emergency Manager Network. If you're not a subscriber to our Substack, please do. It's free. And share this with your friends, family, and colleagues. Until next time, please stay safe and stay hydrated.